Thank you for downloading this podcast. The A to Z of Human Performance consists of 25 live shows that were broadcast in January 2021. The book, The A to Z of Human Performance, written by John Osirkham, Emma Wiggs and Steve Eaton, contains a lot of the topics you'll hear in the coming episodes and it's now out so you can get your copy at the Amazon Kindle store. Without further ado, here's the podcast. You're listening to the A to Z of Human Performance live show weekdays at 13.30 GMT with Chris Lisman and resident expert, John Osirkham. Please enjoy responsibly. Enjoy responsibly, folks. It's Friday. Can't believe it. First week of the live show. Made it all the way through to the end. Uh, five days, five shows. And here he is, the star of the show. It's Chris, your friend and mine, Lisman. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. It's great to be with you again. I, I can't believe it. we've made it through the week either. How it's, fast has uh, that gone? First week of January, five shows in. Happy days. It's incredible. They've been good. I've enjoyed doing these, Jonah. Yeah, I've really enjoyed doing it, Chris. Thanks for your company. It's been great fun this no, week. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, yeah, I'm once again joined by Jonah Sirkham, CEO of Interactive Workshops. And uh, I think we've got to know each other a little bit better through these shows, Jonah. Well, that's what a relationship is. And apparently, a uh, great broadcast is just a great conversation. And we've had some good chats. We've had Steve on. Going to get Emma on. Got Emily Link coming up next year. Looking forward to next week. Yeah, we're here. 13.30 GMT every day, every weekday in January. So we're here on Monday. So join us for then. And if you're joining us for the first time, uh, you'll see that this is more of a radio show style of thing. It's not our usual interactive workshops. It's a very uninteractive, unworkshop. So uh, do just have it on in the background. Maybe you're having your lunch, maybe working away. Just have it on. We're going to just chat. Sometimes creativity is doing the opposite. Absolutely, yeah. Be the most creative thing we've ever done. Right, good. Well, um, let's get started, shall we, Chris? Thanks so much yeah, for having us it. along. Um, what's our topic today? Our topic today is elevating endurance. So how do we how do we actually uh, keep going? How do we push through? How do we get to the end? How do we uh, get to the finish line? And uh, and Jono, you're you're an expert on this. So I want to start with this question: uh, resilience, wellness. They're all big themes at the moment. They're all big topics. What exactly is endurance? Well, Bruce Lee said, do not pray for an easy life, but pay, pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Um, you know, there's, there's wellness is a big topic at the moment. Before that, we, everyone was speaking for two or three years about resilience. And, and when we were writing our book, we had a lot of discussion between the difference between resilience and endurance. And, um, you know, I guess resilience is our ability somehow to to deal with what happens to us, to it, to be strong, strong despite you know pressures and setbacks and challenges. I think endurance is something about our ability to push through, and it's perhaps part of resilience. But um, this this ability to choose to push through, to go the distance, to go all the way, that's that's probably something that what endurance is, and it's something that people who are into high performance, obviously, it's one of the skill sets they work on. Um, whether it's, for example, you know, bearing the monotony of a uh, four-year Olympic cycle training program where, you know, you're pushing your body to the max every single day uh, or whether it's the endurance to have a great career and have as brilliant a time in your work life in the last 10 years of your career as you did in the first, you know, so there's, 
it could be on a real macro level um, or it could be on a, a micro level, just how to endure a difficult day, a difficult conversation, um, a difficult relationship. So on any level, it, it is about pushing through and, and making it through difficult times. Is it on a deeper level? I know you're a philosopher, John. Is it, is it about our, our suffering? I um, well, I have thought about this very hard, Chris. The, 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 the current world, we're, we live in a consumer society, or maybe post-consumer, but relatively a consumer society that's really big into self-actualization. And um, so around us, our, our world tells us that we're not really supposed to suffer. We're supposed to, you know, every marketing ad we see tells us that we're going to have a lovely home. We're going to be fit and healthy. And, you know, I, you know, when you see that advert, is it Floralix on the tube? It says, are you tired? Like drink this drink and everything will be fine. You know, so we're, yeah. we're surrounded by messages that even, even in the difficult times, uh, there's probably a magic solution. Um, but I think we probably are supposed to suffer. And again, if you think about how the human muscles grow, how our minds work, uh, your muscle grows by being challenged and broken down and growing back stronger. And I think that we are supposed to suffer. Uh, Seneca said, you know, we, we suffer more in imagination than reality. And the Stoics were really big into the use of their mind. You know, the, the thoughts that we're going to suffer uh, are often worse than the reality of what we're going to go through. And definitely if we're um, doing endurance sports or if we're working in a really high performing job, sometimes the thought of the shift is worse than the shift itself. Sometimes the thought of the difficult conversation is worse than the difficult conversation itself. Sometimes, you know, when I was uh, flying around the world a lot training, you know, I'd have the feeling, do I really want to get on this plane? I'm going to go to Vietnam. I'm going to be there for three weeks. I'm going to be training every hour of every day, starting at, you know, seven o'clock with breakfast with participants and working through till socials in the midnight. You know, so the, the thought, you go, oh, this dread, you know, I'm going to suffer. But often the imagination is worse than reality. And when, we, when I get there, you know, I'm having the odd day off and um, going for a run or a cycle and hitting the gym and there's, the people are great, you know. So you know, Seneca is right. I think often the imagination is worse than the reality. Mm. But yes, um, another philosopher, Epicurus, said we don't develop courage by being happy in our relationship every day. We develop it by surviving the difficult times and, and challenging in adversity. And I think... You know, so thinking that our work relationships or our home relationships are, are always going to be good, we should expect that there's going to be difficult moments and actually getting through that is, is what makes um, makes us great. Yeah, I think you're saying there's a, a psychological element to that endurance. It's not always about physically can we get through it. It's actually can we focus our minds onto, onto what we're trying to achieve and, and push through mentally as well. Well, our bodies, we are always way more capable than we think we are. We can do way more than we think we can. And, you know, you see, one of my favorite stories is Aaron Ralston. I don't know if you know him, but he got, he's the guy who got stuck in a canyon by like one arm and uh, yeah. he wasn't going to be found. And so for three days or more, he was there thinking, I'm going to die here. And then at some point he got out his pocket knife, broke his own arm, cut it off and made it to safety. And, um, you know, the, I guess the first three days, he, he didn't think he could do that and he didn't want to do that. And then when survival pressure was there, it's like, this is the worst case, but it's the best case. And um, yeah, so so we're tougher than we think the human being. And I mean, even with all that's going on in the world at the moment, uh, which is all very challenging, um, some for some of us still our biggest worry is that we're going to run out of Wi-Fi. Yeah, for sure. And you aren't someone who uh, comes across as someone who suffers a lot or suffers kind of uh, in a visual way uh, that other people can see. But throughout your career, when you look back, are, are there times when you've you've had um, patches of suffering? 
I think the, I think those really tough projects where you're working really hard for a prolonged really, period of time are very difficult. I remember one um, product launch I did. It was working in Germany. I did the same module eight times a day. Uh, so eight times a day for three weeks with two single days off in the whole process. I'm overseas by myself in a hotel room. And there isn't, there's also not much um, opportunity for the payoff of kind of having fun. And you've got to manage your energies. And um, for me, I was often challenged to manage my voice. So I didn't lose my voice. Um, and yeah, there's some of the grittier times to you know, dig in and get through these kind of big physically demanding events. Um, but also there's, you know, I think, you know, about my episode in 2018, we were building the company. It was a very stressful time. And I, I found myself in a hotel in Brazil. I was working again away from home on my own, started having chest pains, thinking it was actually stress, but I thought, you know, maybe I'm going to have a heart attack. Maybe I'm 40 years old and about to die and no one will find me. Call receptions, try and get them to call me a doctor. Reception doesn't speak English. Uh, like Googling emergency medical services, Sao Paulo, can't find anyone. Didn't sleep for a whole two nights, you know, having a really bad time. And I'd say you know, in those, that kind of suffering is really difficult when it's also mental. And I also, you know, I lost my self-confidence, I guess, and my, I, I lost my resourcefulness. And I know, again, a lot of people who are in challenging moments, that's what starts to happen. The stress comes in. Steve mentioned this yesterday, you know, when our brains are full of stress, uh, our cognitive abilities are, are impaired and um, we therefore don't make great decisions. But um, luckily I, I reached out to a connection and they, I got some somebody to help me find a doctor and get my heart checked out. And then it turns out I was just stressed. I wasn't going to die. So well, I'm glad you didn't uh, get stuck in that room in Sao Paulo without any help and without a doctor. That's, um, that's it was good terrifying. But I mean, people have been through a lot worse. And again, another part of this, isn't it, is comparing. We, we somehow get fixated on our own suffering or the things we're trying to endure ourselves. And um, I always you know, think, try and think big picture about what else is going on in the world. We've got a pandemic, but there's people in Aleppo who've been in a war for the last eight years. And um, if we were to complain about what we're going through, how much more they could complain and say, <laughs> you know, you've got it easy. Uh, so this contrast, I think, is quite important to think, you know, when we're trying to endure, um, how bad is it really? And um, that can help us frame our thoughts and feelings, even if it's just like a really difficult project that we were working on, you know, for intense project for six weeks or a year even, but, you know, in the grand scheme of our whole lives, um, how hard is that? It's just a year. Yeah. Yeah, that framing is really important. And in the book, in the chapter of the, the book, that is on this topic. Steve talks about the basic needs that we have, um, and you were talking about how your general well-being suffered in in Sao Paulo. That's that's one of them. Tell us a, tell us about the other the other basic needs that Steve mentions. Well, Steve Steve's really is an expert in this. And actually, after that episode, I went to see him, and uh, he used him as a, a coach for a period of time, and he's, it was really helpful. Um, but you know, he he will start. We need air, and um, do you know when we're under stress or pressure when we're one of the things we don't do is we don't breathe really well. I see it actually on doing presentation skills training. Uh, when people are nervous, they stop taking deep breaths uh, or they take two deep breaths. Um, but um, yeah, so, you know, we've got to get good oxygen in our bodies. It, difficult meeting, trying to get through a difficult meeting, stressful meeting, got to breathe. Uh, need good food and water. And again, this is a bit counterintuitive, but the top endurance athletes try and train themselves not to survive without as much water. Uh, Kilian Jeunet, for example, tries to take half as much water as his compatriots when he goes and does his big climbs and runs and train himself to be able to deal with dehydration. So, you know, 
learning to live on a little food and a little water would be a way to build up, but we do need nutrition. We need shelter, safe place to go back to. I don't know if you've ever had that when you're out in the wilds and you realise, you know, I remember one big storm I was in, I was uh, climbing by myself in the Peak District and a thunderstorm came in and I didn't have a tent or anything else with me and I was out overnight and I crawled into the side of a wood and pulled a, a pon- poncho over myself and I'm feeling pretty sorry for myself. But we need some, the human being, we need some form of shelter. Then we've got our attitude. You know, this is like, can we choose our attitude? We've got that with us, it's a resource. I do, do think we need social connection and again, like with uh, social distancing and the pandemic, it's been, it's robbed us of something we need. And then safety, be too safe, uh, purpose is important. And then also, you know, our general well-being. And if when we are sick, and again, people have been sick recently, when we are sick, uh, I try to enjoy it, actually. And, I, and I, I know when I'm really ill, when I can no longer enjoy it. But if it's only moderately ill, I try and say to myself, I'm going to have a you know, really difficult few days and I'm going to try and enjoy it as best I can because at least I've got a valid reason to lie in bed. Yeah, you, you either dial on or dial off. You're completely on or off, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm in or out. But then that's the ability to, some people don't have the ability to to, to understand when they need recovery. Yeah. And um, I like to think that I'd get over illness pretty quickly. Um, but partly it's because I fully take it seriously and say, right, I'm properly ill. Right, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Whereas, you know, trying to st- struggle on can um, obviously drains us and it means we don't recover. Yeah. So those are some of the basic things that we need. We need air, we need food, we need water, uh, roof over our head. Do we also need a sense of challenge? Because those are those things are all very nice. If we've got those things, we're, we're pretty set. But do we need a sense of challenge as well? Well, I'm, I'm going to share this with you. But this morning, I actually challenged myself because um, I went horse riding. It's a form of exercise. I don't ride horses. And um, wow. I was scared. I was actually scared. Well, this, this is a live horse and I'm a, it starts cantering and I'm a middle-aged man. And my daughter's there. She's fine. She knows what she's doing. But uh, it was great. So, you know, putting ourselves in positions that scare us, putting ourselves in positions that challenge us we, is vital. We, that's how humans thrive. Um, we need this thing called eustress, which is the good stress, um, which is what we get when we challenge. It gives us endorphins. It gives us, um, you know, adrenaline. So if we get stress, like get those kind of endorphins, those good stress, those challenge stresses, like let's say you're going to do a long distance bike ride, climb a mountain, go for a long swim, go in cold water. Uh, that's something I, I know a friend of mine who's got over ME by doing cold water every morning. Um, when I've been sluggish, sometimes I jump in an ice bath, challenge myself, a few seconds, but it gets back. Um, this kind of challenge uh, is really healthy for us and yeah, it helps us to thrive. And obviously when we challenge ourselves, then we learn how to deal with things when things are difficult. But you know that, Chris, don't you? you like to challenge yourself? You've got your, your running and... Yeah, I like, like to run and in the first lockdown, challenge myself to go from 5K to 10K and uh, build up my endurance that way. Yeah, it was a good challenge. And what happened in the process? Well, I think part of it, I thought, was just about building up that number from 5 to 10 and literally just running longer and longer. But the way the, the training that I did built up, it built up stamina as well as being able to go further and the recovery time your body needs as well. It built all of those things up gradually so that you could enjoy it and enjoy it, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's important, isn't it? To, it's great when we're doing something challenging and we enjoy it. I do think also that we can also know that we've chosen it. And when we're suffering, you know, when we're suffering in a, let's say it's an endurance event or it's a really busy, difficult project at work and it's just going on and on, I think our self-talk then really dictates whether we can enjoy it. And I try to tell myself, look, you've chosen this. You apply I, when I'm coaching you applied for the job at this company you took the job and you're still here so if the work's difficult um, I can empathise with that but we have choices and 
you've chosen it. Uh, if it's unfair or we've got a difficult boss, we've got choices about that as well. But you know, in the moment when it's difficult, we don't want to find ourselves moaning to ourselves. We want to just try and st get positive self-talk and say, yeah, I chose this. I'm going to choose, choose to enjoy it. It will come to an end and I'm going to get through it. Yeah, finding that sense of enjoyment in, in suffering is um, is really helpful. And actually, I really enjoy the day after a workout or a, a run or ride, that feeling of slight pain in your muscles. I actually quite enjoy that. I think that's a, a bit of a reward. Yeah. And in fact, it can become an addiction as well. If you get really into it, you realise you you know you can't feel, you don't feel right unless you feel exhausted. Well, that's, I mean, that's yeah. like, talk to Emma. She's so used to being fully fatigued. And then, um, you know, the, when you're not fully fatigued, you feel ill. It's like a bit strange. Yeah. And it, it ties into what you've already mentioned that we can actually do a lot more than we think. And Steve mentions that in the book. He says we actually, as humans, can endure far more than we think. What what do you think is the reason why we don't tap into that reserve that we have? I would recommend that my observation is that we don't challenge ourselves enough. So you know. I was, I was uh, scraping the ice off the car window the other day and I was just remembering that my dad used to scrape the ice off the inside of his bedroom window and he grew up on a farm. So in a generation, we've gone from complaining that we've got to scrape the ice off the inside of our bedroom window to the outside. I, I think our modern life is not that challenging. Uh, and um, yeah, so working out how we can challenge ourselves, even like if, even if we have a difficult day, it's normally doing emails making Zoom calls and making PowerPoint presentations. I think that um, building up our ability to, you know, to endure is to challenge ourselves more, to do some of those things, whether it's a long distance sport, whether it's, you know, to be more generous, for example, it could be really challenging to give away more money to charity and to therefore have less in your bank account. But there's things that we can do that actually are really good for us, uh, giving away our time. Uh, one other is giving away control. So we're highly controlling society. And we, again, this doesn't help us with our endurance. We're not used to dealing with things out of our control. But um, I know saying to someone else, you decide what I'm going to do this weekend. I'm happy to follow you. Uh, our partner at home, for example, rather than arguing about what we do. So yeah, okay, I'll just, whatever you want to do, we'll do that. Uh, and then, you know, th these kind of, our ability to control life um, is and to let go of control if you're one of these sailors sailing around the world, you know, to respect that you're just going to have to follow the, what the wind does. I think that those feelings can be helpful for us to get um, skillful at uh, managing those. Yeah. And at the end of the chapter, you've got coaching questions. Um, help me, John, if I, if I want to grow my endurance uh, in my professional life, what would you, what would you ask? What would you tell me to, to improve my endurance? Oh, Chris, I've been waiting for this moment all week. Can we do some coaching? <laughs> Let's do some coaching. Yeah, where do you think, where do you think you could improve? Where do I think I can improve? Um, I think as a, as a manager uh, in my people skills, I think I'm always trying to improve my people skills. Um, and uh, I think communication is something, this show is uh, one way in which I'm trying to improve that. And uh, I think that's been really helpful. And what about things related to your endurance? How do you want to improve your endurance? How could that help you? I think sometimes that feeling of burnout would would be holding me back and feeling like i've been working flat out because i like to go the extra mile i like to put the effort in and work late if i have to but actually feeling like i've been working long hours for a long time working hard for a long time actually it might even be psychologically makes it feel like i can't do that for much longer yeah well it's good that you feel like that and i don't again to, in order to have 
our reserve tanks full. That's what, if you're an endurance athlete, you don't want to start a race tired, right? Yeah. So I think for me, I'd be looking on the holistic level and thinking, how can you make sure that you're, you're um, topped up and not drained? Are, are there any, where are your energy leaks, Chris? What, what um, costs you energy in life? Energy. Uh, having to do perhaps tasks that I don't feel like are actually in my remit, my job description maybe, or perhaps something you've asked someone else to do that ends up coming back to you. Yeah. That, that kind of thing is draining. Yeah. And again, this is massive, isn't it? When we're at work. So yeah. So working, so one of your core things would be to continue to work on your delegational strengths. Yeah. And that's a huge muscle actually. So again, if we think about how the body works, we need to, if we want to be good at running, we've got to build up our muscles. If we want to be good at, as you said, managing workload, especially we've got running a team, we've got to be great at delegation. And that's the big muscle. And I, you know, I say also, I always laugh about this when we win massive projects and everyone says, how are we going to get it done? It's like resourcing. So having people we can call upon at short notice. Um, and then I guess the other part, I think it's sometimes difficult for managers to think who should be working late here? Should it be me or someone else? Um, if you've got a leadership role, you need to be fresh. So it took me a long time to realize that it's actually okay if the people that work for me work longer than me. Um, I don't want to do that all the time because there's partly leading by example. But who should be, in, you could think, you know, who should in your team should be working late? Should it be you or should it be someone else? If you've really well delegated and then, and then other people are working late, I think that's okay. If it's because it's last minute and you didn't get it done, I don't think that's great. So, you know, building up building up that endurance muscle for you might be about how you scale your ability, your efforts and um, how you build your muscle of delegation. And you can see that if you've got that muscle working really well, then, um, you know, when the pressure comes on, you can enjoy it because you know you can get the work delegated well to other people. Yeah. So what you're saying is the through that resourcing piece and delegation piece, I can actually get more time to work on what I should be working on, which will help my own endurance. Yeah. And that's, on work. that's that's the foundational piece, isn't it? That's how you yeah. build up endurance is is, um, is knowing that when the pressure, so it's that ability when the pressure comes on to know that you're going to be able to do it and get through it. Yeah. Or if, you, if you're questioning, even if you're questioning whether you can, uh, to believe that you will. Uh, Bradley Wiggins, you say a great thing about riding a time trial, which is, along the lines if so you've got to get from a to b as fast as possible on the bike right that's a time trial and you're by yourself if you how do you judge the pace if you get the pace right you'll win and um if you're the best athlete but he was saying you know if you know you can get to the end you're going too slow if you know you can't get to the end you're going too fast so uh you should run at a pace where you always say i'm not sure and if you're at that level it was actually chris boardman that said it but if you're at that level um, then you've probably got your pacing right. And I think it's sometimes the same for us at work. You know, we, we want to know we can get everything done. But if we truly turned up every day knowing that we could get it all done, after a few weeks, we would be really bored. So, you know, it's the constant paradox. And again, if you, like, on a macro level, look at resourcing, organisations, teams are most effective when they've got 115, 120% of stuff to do. Uh, that's how, that's how um, you know, you motivate. That's part of what motivates a team is... Yeah having loads to do. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I want to pick up on one of the habits Is it actually helpful? Yeah, no, no that's generally helpful. You, you should become a coach. That's, uh, <laughs> that's good. And um, there's one habituator. There's one habituator at the end of the chapter that I want to pick up on as well. Um, you mentioned the, the need to kind of rise to some of the challenges of life and actually say, you know, do you know what, there's, there's worse things going on in the world. The flip side of that is that there will be times where people on this call are overwhelmed, stressed, and, and genuinely facing 
suffering and and overwhelm what are your tactics when you when you face overwhelm uh, my heart goes out to people facing difficult moments i mean one of my friends went through cancer treatment at the start of uh, coronavirus and you know i think being surrounded by people who have empathy for you and have got your back i think these is, is really key having people that you can turn to for help um having genuine relationships that you can be honest about is really helpful but um yeah w when we're in these difficult times I, I think to think about who we can ask for for support and who who's been there for there for us in the past pick up the phone you know there's there are people that are willing to help us and i think often we despair and we don't reach out and um probably that's what i would recommend is the biggest lifeline to talk to the people around you that can help you like you'd be surprised who, who might even like so let's say worst case scenario you've lost your job there are people out there who would give you a job give you money and if you were to be take positive actions um that can increase your likelihood of getting out of the difficulty but also the fact that you are taking positive actions makes you feel better about what you're doing and again we've we've spoken this uh, about selling as a business skill already this week but in sales in sales if you're not hitting your target and you, month after month if you despair and give up and stop acting then you're, you're putting yourself in a powerless situation whereas you know i've what i've worked with salespeople in the motor industry for example who are just relentlessly do the right things and even when things are difficult they're not getting their pay and they're not selling anything but they keep going and doing the inputs and um that gives you this sense that you're in control even if maybe you're not completely but making sure that you're proactive is is key Yes, yeah, so making those small positive actions and actually just by doing those might have a positive effect in general. Yeah. That's and really helpful. It's true in mental health battles as well. Like taking, there's um, it, like, there's a there's a great article in the newspaper about if you're in debt, but there's if you're in debt, technically what you're supposed to do is like consolidate everything and then pay off, you know, the biggest things first. But obviously you don't get the emotional payoff from that. So there's this thing called snowballing where they say actually just pay off all the smallest ones. So if you're getting 40 letters a week saying that you owe people money, if you're only getting 20 because you've paid off a few tiny ones, actually that can help. And I think you know, thinking about the strategy to get yourself out of a problem um, is, is important as well and trying to use what uh, cognitive facilities you have. But small actions um, are uh, give us the dopamine style payoff that we've actually succeeded at a small thing. Yeah, that's really helpful. And um, as, as we said at the start, the well-being and, and mental health and endurance and resilience, they're all big topics at the moment. It's been helpful to, to chat those through. Thanks, Chris. Well, it's a big, big time. And I think um, I, I think there's so much going on in the world. Uh, but as we found out in this A to Z of human performance, you know, as we were researching it and as we were writing it, there's so much available that we can tap into to help us get the best out of ourselves. And um, that's partly why we wanted to write down some of what we discovered in some of our stories uh, to try and share those with as wide an audience as possible. Yeah, it's great. And and we should say the, the book, The A to Z of Human Performance, which you wrote with Emma and Steve, is available now on Amazon. So you can go onto our website, interactiveworkshops.com, and you can pre-order it there. Brilliant. Looking forward to it. Well, that's uh, all we've got time for this week. week. Chris, how do we celebrate? We're, we're done. What do we do? You got a sound effect for that. I haven't got a sound effect for it. Uh, <laughs> see. There we go. Some applause. Well, we should say Thank that you. for our listeners. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. And we will see you all next week. We're back on Monday. See you then.
Don't forget, the A to Z of human performance is now available on Amazon Kindle Store. Get your copy now.